0: Hallelujah, thank you Jesus, hallelujah, you feel alive, do you feel alive, huh, what happens when we lift him up, we get lifted up, we know that, we know that, this morning I want to share a simple thought that's one of those things that's simple and yet it's profound and just to give a title to this is simply living life, living life. The real secret is, is actually living while we're doing life. (laughs) Many find themselves just going on cruise control or status quo-isms, find yourself uh, just kind of absorbing the day and enduring it. Many different writers before my time, your time, would remind us there's a difference between living a life that's reactionary. And a life that has a purpose to it. It's the difference of living life or just having life. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly. What does that mean? Is that just material things? No. Can it include material things? Yes. But it is that purpose for living. So again, maybe someone for the first time is hearing that statement, reactionary lifestyle. So to help those... It defines the person who really never has a forward thought. It's just whatever life is hurling at them, they're reacting to it. If the person I'm meeting next is joyful, then I can can be happy for a few moments. If the next person comes and rains on my parade, then I'm going to get down in the dumps. If the next person comes and says that if I buy three lottery tickets in a certain sequence, that I'll be a billionaire for the night's over and I go buy those tickets, then so be it. You're doing what they tell you to do. When you find out you lost the $3 you put into that lottery, then you're going to get discouraged again. Reactionary, reactionary, reactionary. Just reacting to what everybody else throws at you instead of, wait a minute, God gave me a life. What am I going to do with it? He's the one that gave it to me, not everybody else. Why am I listening to everybody else? Why am I allowing them to control my thoughts, my emotions, and everything I get involved in? Today with social media, it's no different. It's it's been exploited in many situations. Where again, I just I hear all these voices. I came across a a, a statement written, uh, and of course, you know at Grace Life Church, one of our core values is to be generational, and I love this letter from a guy. He was known as simply a Brother Jeremiah, and he got to the twilight of his life, and he uh, simply wrote this. I think you'll get uh, the message pretty quick. And what he was trying to say to us, he said, if I had my life to live over. Anybody ever say that to somebody else? Yeah. If I had my life to live over again, I'd try to make more mistakes next time. (laughs) I would relax. I would limber up. And I would be sillier than I have been this trip. I know of very few things I would take seriously. I would take more trips. I would climb more mountains. I would swim more rivers. I'd watch more sunsets. I'd play more pickleball. No, that wasn't in there. I would do more walking and looking. I would eat. I love this. My wife's going to amen. Listen, real close to her. I would eat more ice cream and fewer beans. Of course, she actually likes both. I would have more actual troubles and fewer imaginary ones. Wow. Can I read that again? I would have more actual troubles and fewer imaginary ones. You see, I am one of those people who lives hygienically and sensibly and sanely hour after hour, day after day. Oh, I've had my moments, and if I had to do it over again, I'd have more of them. In fact... I try to have nothing else, just moments, one after another, instead of living so many years ahead of each day. I have been one of those people who never go anywhere without a thermometer, a hot water bottle, a gargle, a raincoat, aspirin, and a parachute. If I had it to do over again, I would go places, do things, and travel lighter than I have. If I had my life to do over. I would ride more merry-go-rounds and pick more daisies. Pretty good stuff. Pretty good stuff where we say we're taking life seriously, but we take certain components of it too seriously. And if we're not careful, we get into a fear-based mentality. Well, this could go wrong. That could go wrong. Maybe I shouldn't go here. We miss the opportunities before us, and all of a sudden it shows up in our countenance. And we start dragging everything else down around us. Does anybody know anybody like that? Say, oh me. <laughs> well, Jesus was asked the same kind of question, I'd like you to turn with me to Mark chapter 12, if you would, and stand for the reading of God's word. Now, you'll notice that the wording isn't exactly the same as the question is asked, but I believe that you'll see the inside. This is actually in, in just exactly what was being asked of him. Mark chapter 12, simply verses 28 through 31. And one of the scribes came up and, and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he had answered them well and asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Thank you, Lord, again for your word. Let it speak to us again and transform us by its truth. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Again, just with a little bit of background, you got to know that Jesus, of course, was a Jew as he... Walked this life, and in Judaism, the very foundation, the very core of all knowledge was the fear of the Lord. And in that, Moses is hearing a direct link to the glory world to instruct his people who were now going into a place called the Promised Land. When you get into this land, it will be yours. When you get into this land, it's a land filled with opportunity. It's a land that already has everything you ever need in itself. And so it is upon incumbent upon you to develop it, to resource it. But everything you ever need is already there. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? As Moses is directing these people as they go in, he's... He's telling them, but however, you've got to understand something. You can't just react to the land. You have to go in with purpose. And it all begins with the fear of the Lord. But you notice here when Jesus is asked what's the greatest commandment, this Jewish audience would have known exactly where he was going when he said, Hear, O Israel, because you'll find that in your Bibles in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It is known as the Shema. Shema. It is known as the very foundation of everything else. In that, he's saying, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And in that relationship that God is, you understand we're not worshiping three gods. One God. Yeah, right. And that oneness, that unity that we hear there He is saying the same to us. If you want to understand that unity, if you want to understand that in your own life and in your relationships, then you understand it's going to come from the knowledge that we love God and we love him with all these areas of our life, our mind, our heart, our strength, our will, all these things come into alignment. Again, we've got to take a moment here because we're now again in a time in which if you listen to any kind of social media, if you watch any kind of news reports, if you're just listening to a radio broadcast, you're going to hear a spirit of division every single day. Can I hear an amen in the house? This group pitted against this group, this group against this group. These two groups that hated each other last week are going to get together because they hate this other group more. And it's just on and on and on. We divide ourselves over skin color. We divide ourselves over jobs. We divide ourselves over somebody's children. We just go on and on and on and on. It is a spirit of division that's causing us to bring such angst into our lives. Where is the joy? Where is the peace? Where is the love? Some of you have come in here today. Some of you have even made expressions to me. This day, right now, my life is in turmoil. I've got to have some sanity. I've got to have some peace. And we go back to this very truth here that seems to be too simple. This is why I read Brother Jeremiah's statement. He said, if I had my life to do over, I'd chill out. (laughs) I would learn to enjoy life. I would take it in the moment and just seize the joy that I can find in relationships. In a good joke. I, I, would, I would act silly every once in a while. I wouldn't have to be so serious-minded. When Jesus is asked in the same area of thought, well, what's of all these things? And, and I've got to help us with that a little bit. By now, 613 different commandments have been construed out of this. And can you imagine trying to memorize all those laws on a daily basis? Well, that's number 132. As, remember 99, uh, 14, hello, and we find ourselves, I, 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 what's the bottom line? What's the greatest commandment? here, O oh Israel, God is one. If you'll go to your New Testament, you'll find John chapter 17, at the end of Jesus' ministry and life upon this earth, he's reminding us of the same truth, and he's praying for us, Make them one, Father, just like we are one. In other words, not again, speaking to another God, speaking to God. You and I struggle with how do we wrap all that around our mind, yet what we have to get is God is perfect. And in that perfection, he is love, the perfect love. And he's sharing that with us, that if we'll find ourselves saying, okay, God, this is what I want from my life. The testimony that Anthony gave us earlier Rockefeller's life and all these things had encumbered his life to the point it was breaking his health till he got to a place again of purpose I'm going to put this purpose in my life I'm going to learn how to be benevolent I'm going to give away I'm not going to try to keep it all and it started bringing freedom and bringing health back to his physical being all these are found over and over again as truths in our life So here we are today. Are we any different? No. What is this passage telling us? This isn't just a passage to memorize in children's church or Sunday school and get a candy bar by the end of the class. This is the purpose for life. If you want to live life instead of just having a life. How many many has looked at you this week and said, you need to get a life? It's not just getting a life. It's living it. I want that peace. I want that joy. I want to know when I get up in the morning there's a purpose for me taking air in. There's a reason that I'm here. Somebody needs to hear this today. Because it's been too long, you just get up and go through the cycles and you go through the routines and you're just reacting to this one and that one. Some of you got knots in your stomach as you wake up because you got to go back to that same office and face them same people. Can I hear an amen in the house? Listen to it. Listen to it. The life change isn't going to happen in that office. It's going to happen inside of us. Jesus promised as the Spirit of God comes in our life with the fullness, the Bible describes this the way. Rivers of living water come out of our being. You want that office to change? Let there be a change in you, and it's going to come out of you and overflow out of your life into somebody else. Oh, man, this is good preaching. This is transformational. But it's never going to happen if you're just reacting. Well, if I can just win the lottery, if I can just have five days straight where that coworker isn't me, they're probably still going to be beating their gums. The difference is here. Do I love God? God, I want that unity that you're expressing. I want it in my life. And I want it in the relationships that you're affording me. This culture that we live in is so selfish. It is so jealous. It is so envious. Everything about it is telling you how you can outdo somebody else and get what they've got and you deserve it. On and on and on and on. And it's leaving us empty. How long has it been since you woke up in the morning? This is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice therein, and I am going to be glad. See, some of you need to do this tomorrow morning. The rest of us want you to. Look in that mirror and say, this is the day the Lord has made. And I'm going to be glad in it. Puddy, are we on fire yet? Oh, come on. I love this lady. That's always her expression. Be on fire. It's the living Word of God that transforms us. I don't know how the enemy tricked us to think, well, if we just have cranial knowledge of the Word of God and that book, and if I can recite it and memorize certain scriptures, then I will look religious to others. What good is that? but when it's transformational and there's real life going on in your being then you become everything that God has designed you to be because you become a conduit of the love of God that comes into our life you see the love of God can't be contained when it comes in our life that's what transforms us and pours out into other people's lives how many of us have a testimony of someone in our life that at one time they were our enemy. How many of us have the testimony, it's the first time I met this person, I couldn't stand them. Some of you are married to those people, remember. <laughs> what happened? What happened? process of time, there was this giving. Some of us need to be reminded of that challenge again. When somebody at work says, hey, I hate you. If we're living the reactionary lifestyle, we, uh, we know what wants to happen in our natural. We want to look back and say, I hate you more. Oh, yeah? I hate you the mostest. Oh, really? I hate you this much. What happens when they come to you, and you know it's not a joking matter, but they come to you, I hate you. I hate everything you represent. I hate your smile. I hate the way that you do this. I hate the way you do that. Just look at him and say, but there's one thing you can't do. You can't make me hate you. Wow. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We need to remember that principle. In my life, many times I've had those moments, and I think, God, the Holy Ghost, in my life just says, take it as a challenge. I need those challenges. Just love on them. See what can happen. Just love on them. Watch them change. I love it when you hit those paydays in, in life when somebody comes up. You know that when I first met you, I didn't like you. And you're already it's like, oh, I think I know where this conversation going. But, but I tolerate you now. I, mean, I don't care if it's even that much. That's increase. That's a change. Some of us need to do life different, And when we, when we know that person has a problem, a lot of times the problem's in themselves and they can't see it. Let the love of God shine through us. <laughs> he went on, and I'm not going to break it all down, but love, all, love him with all of your heart, your, your, your passions. And he says, love God with all of your soul. One writer put it this way, that's the real you. That's the real you. That's not just the cranial thinking. That's the emotional part. Oh, my soul. See, some of us either we, we, we haven't heard it or, or we are just ignorant of it or we forgot it along the way. You can love God with every emotion you've got. Even your hatreds, you can give to God. I thought I just had to give him the good stuff. Well, if we only gave him the good stuff that naturally comes out of us, we wouldn't be giving him much. God, I can trust you with my fears. I can trust you with my anger. I can trust you with my frustrations. And I can love you with them. I love you so much. Here, you can have them. (laughs) Let's see what you can do with them, because I'm not doing a very good job with them. You see how transformational this is? What seemingly is so complex is life-changing because it's so simple. Just like Brother Jeremiah learned one aspect of his life, if I could do it over, it is this, what was God really telling Moses to tell these people? When you go into this land, love God. Love him with all of your heart. Love him with all of your soul. Love him with all of your mind. Love him with all of your strength. That's the practical side, the strength. One writer in the Word of God says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. You see, this is where Jesus was also going when he was asked, What's the greatest commandment? And I know I've shared this repeatedly, but there's always a new listener or there's somebody that's just getting the place to receive it. Again, Jesus was asked a single question And the one who asked was expecting a single answer. What's the greatest commandment? Singular. Jesus' response was to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all your will, all these things. And love your neighbor. Wait a minute, Jesus. I ask you one question. You're giving me two answers. Because you can't separate them. If you look very closely to the Ten Commandments, it's the same thing. The first four in relationship, vertically to Him; the other six are horizontal to others. It's always there together. That's what forms that cross. It is the union of those two areas. Those of us that find ourselves saying, "You know, I'm coming to sanctuary and worship God, and I love the music. I love all that. Everybody seems to be happier and nicer and better looking when we do that." But when I leave here, I got to go somewhere else. I, I love worshiping God, but dealing with people is another thing. Can I hear an amen? amen? I mean, God, you're not fickle. You're not despicable. God, you're just perfect. But these people are all jacked up. <laughs> and yet, you'll notice, and I, I, we've got a zero in before we close. We'd miss it, because we don't like to use this word. We don't use it enough, unless we have Bible study. He was asked, what's the greatest commandment? In other words, not option. Commandment. We are commanded. It is essential. It has to be intrinsic in our everyday living. Love God. There is no other... Well, maybes. Love God. Well, God, I don't feel like loving you. Love me anyhow. It's a commandment. Well, I don't like the way my day's going, and I'm upset, and I'm just not real happy right now. Love me anyhow. Well, you're just too hard to understand. Love me anyhow. Is this helping somebody today? Well, get ready. Because then it says, love your neighbor. I don't want to. (laughs) Love them anyhow. Well, I love the first neighbors we had over there. They were great for 22 years, but this last one that moved across the street, I mean, really? Have you not seen them lately? Do Do you not hear the noise coming from that house? The last job I had, I loved my job. I got along with everybody in the office. I was (laughs) self-employed just a thought I get inspired once in a while but now I'm working with real human beings and there's five women there are four men hang on women I I felt that dagger would you take that out please am I on fire yet We're out here walking on thin ice, actually. If we can get this, then God, I'm—I need—I—I said I loved you, God, but it's obvious that that relationship needs to be worked on because it doesn't come natural to me. Wow, what I thought was so complex is so simple. But you see, that's where we get in trouble, God. I'll tell you which ones I want to love. That pretty one over there. That one that's got money over there. That one that's got influence over there. Nada, nada, nada. I don't find any of that in his commentary. Love God with everything in you and love your neighbor as you love yourself. You see, you can't love self until you get these relationships aligned. With this truth that he's sharing with us I, I, My time is up But I, I want to share one other story with you For those of you younger than me You would have to google the name Jimmy Durante Jimmy Durante was a, a comedian Now you might know him even if you're younger Through Christmas you hear the voice of Frosty the Snowman That's Jimmy Durante Those of you my age and older, you know Jimmy Durante was the comedian that had this three-time larger nose than it was supposed to be. Jimmy Durante was asked to go uh, on a tour, an OSO tour, to to the veterans uh, of our military. And, of course, he believed in all that, but he was extremely busy at this time in his life, and he said, you know, I want to contribute, but I am so busy. He said, I'll tell you what, would you allow me to come And do one monologue and exit. I've got to get to my next appointment. Well, they were thrilled that Jimmy Durante was going to come by. It didn't matter if it was just 60 seconds. He got on stage. And he began his monologue. And then it went five minutes. It went 10 minutes. It went 20 minutes. It went 30 minutes. And finally, as he's coming off stage, the crowd, I mean, they were just cheering. It was getting louder. And... And a person backstage said, Mr. Durrani, we thought that you had another appointment that you had to get to. He said, that's still true. I, sh- I should already be there. Well, then what changed? He said, come here, look on the front row. And there were two soldiers there that had each lost an arm in battle. One had lost the right arm, and one had left, lost the left arm. And at every joke, they were each taking their arm and hand and touching the other one and clapping. <laughs> Would you stand with me, please? You see, there is...